thank you all very much. That's good. That's one of my newest groups I've been working with. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, if you'll open your Bibles there again, please. I want to emphasize uh, our text passage, and then I want to add an emphasis to uh, the text verse, which is verse 13, by seeing uh, the result of obedience to the instruction in verse number 15. Verse number 13, the Bible says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. You know, it's almost just supposed that we're going to make a mistake now and again. It's almost supposed that we're human and that we fail and we have faults. And there are times we're going to offend with our behavior, with our words. And so the Bible says in the previous verse to put on some things. That means, you know, this ties on me because I put it on. I put on this jacket. I put on this microphone. Here's some other things I'm supposed to put on. Kindness. That's what Christianity is. And these instructions. And then he says, if any man have a quarrel against any, what a standard he gives us here. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now notice verse number 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now you can't start with verse 15. You don't start with peace. You start with forbearance and forgiveness and charity. When we're obedient to that, that lets peace rule in our hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. If you want to be a thankful Christian, as our theme for November, today is the first day, the banners behind me talk about being thankful, and our theme of thankfulness, if you want to be a thankful Christian, be an obedient Christian to these things, and let peace rule in your heart. I want to talk to you just as a family, talk for a little while tonight on personal forgiveness. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit as I preach tonight, a hunger to accomplish your will in our family tonight. I thank you for our church. I thank you, Lord, for all of the work that has been accomplished to make special days special and events successful. And I thank you, Lord, for those who have organized, prepared, and cleaned up. And I pray that you'd help us tonight to be helped as a church family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Do you remember times in your life of being forgiven of a fault or a failure? Perhaps you were not at all deserving of forgiveness, but you were forgiven. You failed to keep a promise to someone, and it brought disappointment and hurt and pain to them. You're ashamed to see them because you didn't keep your word. And yet they said to you, it's all right. You're forgiven. Let's go on and enjoy life. You said something in haste. Or you hurt someone in a time of anger. But rather than them holding that against you, they forgave you and helped you to enjoy life. Perhaps the most wonderful truth in all of the Bible is that Christ has forgiven us 
of all our sins, our faults, and our failures. What an amazing thing is the devil would accuse me tonight before God. When you look at my record in heaven, there are no sins recorded. It's not because I'm not a sinner, but it is because I am forgiven. A study of the word forgiveness is quite a blessing as you go through the word of God. In the New Testament, the word forgiveness carries a meaning to send away. It comes from two Hebrew words, apo, which means from, and hyami, which means to send. To send the sin itself away to be forgotten. The hurt of broken fellowship is sent away. The punishment that should come from a wrong is sent away. The word for forgiveness is also translated completely canceled. And it signifies the remission, and not just the remission, but the elimination of the punishment due for sinful conduct or delivering the sinner from the penalty. It means not only the restoration of fellowship because of an act committed, but deliverance from the penalty involved. Forgiveness implies the complete removal of the cause of offense. The closest word to forgiveness in the Bible is the word justification, which means God pronounces the sinner blameless just as if he had never sinned. The word mercy is a good word. The word mercy means God does not give me what I deserve when it comes to punishment. The word grace is a good word because it means he gives me what I do not deserve, which is not only his love, but his blessings, and most of all, eternal life. But when God forgives me, that means he completely wipes away the fact that I ever was a sinner. Forgiven. The words for forgiveness are illustrated by the Old Testament scapegoat. Leviticus chapter 16 tells us that in the seventh month and the tenth day, two goats were chosen. One of the goats was killed, and the blood from the goat that was killed was sprinkled on the goat that was not killed. And that, that, that blood covered the top of that goat. That goat then was led out into the wilderness to never return. And that represented the forgiveness of the sins of the people in Israel. The goat that died was a picture of Jesus who bore our sins on Calvary. The living goat points to our Savior as the high priest. And he carried our sins to a place where they'll never be returned again. Because of the blood of Christ tonight, we have forgiveness. But the Bible teaches because of the fact that Christ has forgiven us, we ought to forgive one another. Not far from New York City is a cemetery where there is a grave 
And on the headstone of that grave, there is one word engraved. And that is the word forgiven. There is no artwork on the marble, just the word forgiven. There is no epitaph, just the word forgiven. There is no explanation, there is no name, there are no dates, just the word forgiven. There is no eulogy, no explanation, just the word forgiven. Thank God tonight there is a place over which God has written the word forgiven. And that was on the cross of Calvary. And tonight because of Calvary, my sins are gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is free and in my heart is a song. Buried in the deepest sea, the songwriter says, Yes, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. We all rejoice and we rejoice equally that our sins are forgiven. Now God is able to do what we cannot do and that God not only forgives, God is able to forget the sin ever happened. God decides to erase it from memory. How sad it is when we bring guilt into our lives or the devil brings guilt into our life by reminding us of a sin in the past that God doesn't even know what we are talking about. I like what one person said who said, when Satan reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future. But I'm glad tonight my sins are forgiven. However, I'm given a most difficult task. Because I am forgiven, I am to forgive. Take your Bibles and go with me to the story that Jesus told in the book of Matthew in chapter 18. And this story is a convicting story to read in its text and context because it reminds us of sometimes our flesh and the desires of our flesh to want to hold a grudge against someone as if that grudge is hurting them or is somehow getting even with them. The story says, and I'll read it quickly, verse number 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. I have written in the margin of my Bible, 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. I wrote in the margin of my Bible so I could compare the two. One hundred pence. You compare talents, that's much more than a pence. A pence is like a denarius or, 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 or a penny. A talent is, is much more. And you have a ten thousand compared to a one hundred. He finds a fellow servant that owes him a hundred pence and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat 
saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord, their Lord, all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now let me make clear here the Bible is not talking about uh, going back to sins that are forgiven of salvation. He's not talking about relationship, but he's talking about fellowship, and there's a vast difference. I don't have time to go deep into that. Uh, no matter what would happen in life, Joel will always be our oldest son. Uh, that is our uh, relationship, father and son. Now, there are things that could hurt our fellowship, but nothing could hurt our relationship. And here he is talking about how sins or unforgiveness hurts the fellowship between those who have a relationship that should love one another. And in this story, he tells of a man that owes 10,000 talents. And uh, if a talent of gold, a uh, talent of gold would be $30,000, something like that. And if it was gold, that's $300 million. A talent of silver would have been $2,000. If we were talking about a talent of silver... That means he would owe $20 million. He came before the king and asked forgiveness and the king granted it. What compassion that he had. The, the king had great compassion. We just said amen to that. We just rejoiced in that a little while ago because that was me. I owed a debt. I, I, I could not pay. He paid a debt. Uh, he paid my debt for me. I can't say the song. He paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. I'm glad tonight that he took away all of my sins, even as great as they were. However, this servant had a fellow servant that owed him 100 pence. About 17 cents would be a pence, and maybe $17 would have been the total debt. It's very simple to understand here. He is saying if God could forgive me of $20 million, certainly I could forgive another of $17. Even as Christ forgave me, I am to forgive others. We're to forgive because it is Christ-like to forgive. We rejoice because we are forgiven. The man who is forgiven of his sins is a blessed or a happy man. The psalmist said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And may I say, as great as it is to be forgiven, it's greater to forgive. Are you listening? Than to be forgiven. Listen to the wording. It is not Christ-like to be forgiven for Christ never needed forgiveness. He, knew, he who knew no sin did not need the forgiveness of sin. It is not Christ-like to be forgiven, but it is Christ-like to forgive. 
When our Savior was on the cross, he spoke the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's interesting in this same story here, the question is asked, how oft should we forgive? Should we, should we give, forgive to a certain point or a certain amount or a certain number of times? And you'll see in the wording here of Matthew 18 and verse number 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? By the way, it's more difficult for a brother to sin against you than it is someone that you don't know. No one can hurt you like a brother or a brother in Christ. He didn't say, how often should I forgive the world? How often should I forgive somebody that I thought they loved me? And then he offers an answer as we often do in our prayers or often have an idea of how God should answer our prayers. And he says, till seven times, and Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times at seven. The number seven is an interesting number. It is a number of perfection. It is God's number of completion. And I believe he is saying here with the number seven, when you complete seven times, you ought to start all over again and 70 times seven. There's seven days in a week and the week starts over. There's seven colors in the rainbow. There's seven notes on a scale and the scale begins again. Uh, when one seven ends, another seven begins and God is saying, we're not just to forgive by count. We're to have a spirit of forgiveness that is willing to forgive with no ending. Forgiveness must be a part of our character. It must be a part of our thinking. It must be a part of our will. It must be a part of our way of life. It must be a regular habit to forgive. The Bible tells us to forgive as we've been forgiven. We're to forgive trespasses. We're to forgive those that get into our space. We're to get, forgive those that uh, violate our feelings or our, our thoughts or our possessions. As Christ forgave, I am to uh, forgive. And these words of forgiveness in the Bible tells us of the importance of not holding a grudge and not holding offenses. How sad it is to see the bitterness and the hurt of those that will not let go of an offense, that will not let go of a hurt. And the thing that perhaps will help us to overcome a hurt or an offense is for us to focus on the amount of sin that Christ forgave of us and not only forgave, but he forgot, he put it away to never be remembered again. And when I compare an offense of what someone has said whether they said it intentionally or not, whether they uh, uh, <clears throat> wanted to offend me or not, it doesn't matter. When I compare what Christ has done for me, it seems like the forgiveness of another is very small. Once one has tasted of the heavenly manna of forgiveness, he'll never be satisfied with the garbage of leftovers, of vindication, vengeance, and retaliation. I've never met a person who was satisfied with vindication. I've never met a person who was satisfied with vengeance, though vengeance told them 
it would satisfy them if they could just get vengeance. I've never seen someone become happy who fulfilled a vengeance or a vindication or a retaliation. Oh, but I've seen many who've had the joy of the Lord in their heart because they have forgiven one of an offense against them. A preacher friend of mine once said, I'd much rather be the hated than the hater. I'd rather be the criticized than the critic. I'd rather be the cursed than the curser. God promises to forgive. God promises to bless forgivers. He says in our passage of Scripture, if you'll go back there and see it again, in verse number 12, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. That means don't give folks what they deserve. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. Peace is something that the most wealthy cannot purchase. Peace is something that the most talented cannot earn. But peace is something that any Christian can enjoy. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you're called in one body. And be ye thankful. Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mark eleven twenty five, forgive if you have aught against any. Every person ought to have a special cemetery lot in which they bury the faults and failures of friends and loved ones. Someone has said, and I agree, the best way to get even is to forgive. He who forgives ends the quarrel. The most miserable of people I've ever met are those who cannot come to the place of forgiveness in their hearts. And yet the happiest people I have known are those who have forgiven the most. I like this quote, forgiveness is the most necessary and proper work of every man. For though when I do not a just thing or a charitable or a wise, another man may do that for me. Yet no man can forgive my enemy but me. He who has not forgiven an enemy has never yet tasted one of the most sublime enjoyments of life. And I love this statement. A wise man will make haste to forgive because he knows the true value of time and will not suffer it to be wasted on unnecessary pain. How we ought to be quick to forgive. Not to measure the enemy, not to measure the fault, not to measure the failure, but having a desire within us 
to just have a forgiving spirit. Matthew chapter 5, if you'll turn there as we close tonight. Matthew chapter 5, and if you'll go to verse number 23. Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. As I understand this passage of Scripture, my relationship with God can be hurt if my relationship with you is not clean. He tells me when you come to the altar with a gift, you have a problem with a brother, leave your gift. In other words, come back to that, but go take care of that fault with your brother. I don't want my relationship with God hurt. I do not want my prayer life hurt and for my prayer life to be and my relationship to be what it ought to be with God that my relationship with others must be right I do not know of an offense that's worth me giving up answers to prayers in my life I do not know of an offense that's worth not being able to pray for adequately and sufficiently and effectually not to be able to pray for my wife and my children and my grandchildren not to be able to pray for my nation I do not know anyone that is worth me giving up a perfect relationship with my heavenly father someone has said forgiveness is the willingness to let someone out of prison and discovering that that person is you. There are families tonight that have ought against one another. It's really not worth it. You ought to make things right with brothers and sisters, moms and dads and children and grandparents, whatever the case may be. Sometimes an offense is not against you, but we pick up an offense because it is against others or even against God. If God is forgiven, should not we forgive? One of, the, one of the signs of a lack of forgiveness is continuing to talk about the sin. There's too much in life to enjoy. There's too much work to be accomplished for me to be held back with the weights of offenses, to be held back with the weights of grudges. I don't want those. I don't want to have aught in my heart for one single brother or sister in our world. I want to live free of my relationship with him. Stand with me, if you will.